Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Humanity was never the true governor of the globe, although it may have appeared as such, before the time came to wash the world in a lather of madness and revelation, exposing the truth beneath so much anthropocentric tarnish. After the darkness, humankind became uncomfortably joined in an understanding, a largely unspoken truth that is no more vital than after waking. 
when reality sits more heavily upon the chest before certain palliatives have time to work their mollifying magic. This realization is as simple as it is sobering. If ever the world belonged to humans, it does no longer. Humans still possess power, of course, and those who have enough of it may yet live more comfortable delusions than is common or proper. But it is now in the shadows where gather the true kings of the earth. Accordingly, it is no surprise that many of the more traditional old world powers have become little more than husks wherein repose the withered souls of a bygone age, just fossils of the last order. Yet, there are several organizations that managed to make the leap into the post-Noctum era, evolving as much as mutating to keep their heads above the rising darkness. The Consortium of Doors, also known as The Company for those without a need to know, was an organization created by the United States near the close of the Second World War, developed in secret to allow the global superpower the opportunity to learn more about the older, darker forces that were believed to inhabit various hidden places. Once the darkness had come and passed, the organization's amassed occult wisdom allowed it to lead the way by developing strategies for navigating the new and darker world creating inroads within a terrain that had all but outstripped the conventions of old. In relatively short order, the COD had risen to vast, if secret, prominence among the nation's new clandestine pecking order, due in large part to its control over a singular resource, the Melengen. After years of research, a subsidiary of the COD called the Mars Program tasked to game the machine into outputting an extremely specific type of Malsapien, managed to create their first Melgenic soldier. Once a paraplegic Vietnam veteran, the man was given an offer to live a new life beyond the haunted halls of a crumbling hospice, where his current life was peeling away as surely as the fading paint, trying to hide years of neglect. Due to the predetermined nature of his adaptations, Owen was quickly pushed through the COD's initial conditioning program and placed into a group that had been specifically designed to engage targets of the secreted order. After several successful outings, the Harrowers were selected to investigate an area within the Adirondack Mountains, a place where a large contingent of COD personnel had vanished. Mars jerked awake in his seat next to Eric the nightmare of his incursion into the mountains fading, a snarl still curling his lips. They were parked on a gravel road between lush woods and a cornfield that unfurled into the darkness of the late hour, the moon a bright stain upon the thin cloud cover. I thought I'd let you sleep before you began, Eric almost whispered into the silence of the darkened car. Thanks. That it there? Mars asked, nodding towards the cornfield. According to the map, yes. But again, this little meeting was arranged by Dismouth, as I'm not sure how confident I'd be in the information. It's not like I have much of a choice. I can barely walk straight as it is. Mars's voice was weak and ever-withering. How long do you think this, um, could hold you over for? Eric asked. Mars still wasn't sure how he felt about the Englishman. The man was a weakling on almost all counts, save for one extremely large exception, and his manner generally fell on the patronizing side. But, for whatever reason, he trusted Eric. 
Mars exited the car, lit a cigarette, and began cracking his joints. Depends on the fight. If this contest has the type of talent the old goat said it did, maybe a few days, at best. Eric walked to his teammate's side, the sound of gravel crunching underfoot blending into the Warbringer's knuckle-cracking. He nodded toward the cigarette. And where did you manage to find that? Nabbed a few packs I found on the ground there, uh, back in Curious Forest. Want one? Mars was surprised when his companion accepted. He passed his lighter to Eric, and for a moment, they just stood silently, enjoying their cigarettes, the wind sending small waves into the never-ending lines of corn as they both looked on. Tell me, when the dead guy's out, are you aware of the shit that's going on around him? Mars asked. Irrespective of any tiptoeing the question might normally warrant. Yes, um, after a fashion. Why do you ask? Eric didn't seem at all put out by the question. Just curious. Then you saw what happened to the Oversapien. What he became right before we uh, took him out. Mars's voice dropped for the inquiry, the question hanging heavy in the air. Yes, was all Eric said and Mars knew he'd have to carry the conversation if it was to continue. That's going to be us someday, isn't it? Mars said, exhaling smoke into the night wind. A lengthy silence stretched out between the two before Eric finally replied. Well, it's um, two o'clock on the nose. They must be already in there, whoever they are, waiting for you. Dragging the last of his cigarette to the filter, Mars nodded. Yep. Looks like it's time. After crushing out the butt, the warbringer disappeared into the cornstalks, on the heels of the question now lost to the wind. Anyone else might have moved through the maze with caution, even stealth, but Mars disliked games, always preferring to get on with things. While certainly a gifted hunter, he had little patience for the practice, choosing to seed his opponent first blood if only to do away with the weight. He was nearly to the point where he believed himself cheated, as Eric had suspected, and the money spent to enter the contest stolen. But then he came upon a strange sight, a large, ornate sarcophagus of sorts. It laid unapologetically upon the crushed-down stalks, as if such a thing had some business being there. The iconography was dizzying and alien, but nothing that pinned Mars's attention for more than a few moments. Drawing closer, he discovered a handwritten note taped to the lid of the stone box. It read, Here lies your opponent of the evening. It, he, is a Sushama, a demon who was active for 100 years out of a 200-year cycle. The human host is ascendant during the remaining century. Tonight marks the end of its human influence. The key to the locks is beneath the casket. To begin, you have only to free the creature and stand back. The rules are simple. Win at all costs to receive your reward. Mars stared at the word demon, written so casually. While the world had become haunted after the darkness, and certainly beings like demons were spoken of, the concept was still debated, given over at least to some small attempt at skepticism. And while he'd surely seen things that could easily pass for such creatures, he was never sure. After unlocking the box, the Warbringer did as instructed. 
and wondered at what thing might rise to meet him. A horrid stench infused the air, despite the howling wind that rose out of nowhere. The box began to shift as something within began to move, accompanied by the sound of chains rattling. Then, a voice that cut through the roaring winds, as clearly as if Keith himself had made the arrangements. What foolish man-beasts! You've forgotten the seals upon my prison. I am free. Hundreds of years a prisoner, and at last I am free. The blood I will spill shall rival the seas. And what is this? I smell blood and meat and bone, all of it wrapped neatly around a breathing soul. Did someone set out a meal for me? An offering, perhaps? An apology? for keeping me like an animal. Oh, how my guts ache from being fed that which a man would eat. Filth from plates and fires, meats burned black and dry, stalks and shoots of the field better ate by grazing beasts. My mouth burns from it all. And there is no man-soul about to arrest its proper feeding. Mars watched the lid of the casket slam open, and a bit of flame tumbled upward. The wind died, and an ancient thing rose from the bowels of the box. Shortly after the initial four passengers had come to live in Deadwich, a letter had been slid under the front door addressed to the household. It was simply worded, a polite invitation for the members of the house to visit the sender, Mr. Theodore Limpernil, whenever they should find the time. Having recently remembered the letter and feeling rude for not responding sooner, Keith made his way through the unlit streets to 302 Fisher Avenue, the address given in the letter. Keith knew that no small number of eyes watched him as he traveled, and more than a few times he detected the presence of shapes moving about in the shadows around him. Realizing his newcomer status within the city, the conductor made no attempt to address any actions he might have otherwise sought to chastise. But by the time he'd reached the meandering colonial of his host, he felt as if he were leading a small parade of shadows, all of them staring at him as he hummed along his route. Finally, he could take no more. I am here by invitation. Keith said to the unseen throng, holding the letter up to the darkness. So you needn't bruise your necks gawking at me as I go, but please do stop by Lineage Street whenever you're feeling inclined to be more neighborly than nosy. I do adore company, don't you know? He could feel the shadows disperse as he turned to face the darkened terrace of his destination, and he somehow knew the late hour would bode well for both himself and Mr. Limpernil. The front door opened into a superior blackness, looking like a tall slit into a darker place than even the benighted streets of Deadwich could supply, which was to Keith's immediate fascination, his smile widening with the door. 
Even when the entrance was fully opened, there seemed a thin membrane of containment, so the darker brand of night could not escape the house, and the more diluted version could not enter. A pleasant voice broke through the gloom. My goodness, but I seem to have a guest. How wonderful. And it's such a splendid hour. Do come in, son. Heath smiled at both the greeting and his intuition concerning the late hour. The man was only a bit shorter than Keith, who was thought of as being rather tall, and his age was somewhat advanced, but there lingered a grace to his movements the years had yet to confiscate. The host was hoary-headed and somewhat plump, covered almost entirely in a draping nightcoat, and strangest of all, he wore thick black gloves. His eyes were blue and leapt like freezing flames whenever they caught the small bits of candlelight. Once inside, Keith bowed his head to his host. Thank you so much, Mr. Limpinil. Why, I've been so busy as of late, I'd all but forgotten your kind invitation. My apologies, sir. The old man smiled broadly and patted Keith upon the shoulder. Not at all, my friend, not at all. I'm just pleased you came. Now, how should I call you? Please, call me Keith, won't you? The conductor was already sounding out the house with his gift, as was his habit more than any attempt to steal any of the old man's secrets. Keith, then, and please call me Theodore. Would you like some tea, Keith? Keith offered his most beaming smile of the day. After the two men had taken seats in the parlor, saucered cups of tea in hand, they leaned back in the vintage leatherback chairs and took their very first sips in silence. After setting his cup down upon a small corner table, Theodore said, I do hope the gangs of Devon Street didn't give you any trouble. They can be awfully picky as to who they allow passage through their territory. I should have mentioned the matter in my letter, the old man said, shaking his head. Not at all. Just a bit of curiosity on the part of the locals, I think. But tell me, kind sir, how long have you lived here? Keith felt it incumbent upon him to gather at least a few essential facts. I was one of the first to be sent. Had to be about, oh, 2010, I think. Shortly after the place had been scrubbed of its unsightly spiritual silly, if you take my meaning. Heath nodded, hoping the man might continue if he was left uninterrupted. Just a handful of us back then. It wasn't until the following year that they uh, started packing us in, but good. Then, uh, after about, oh, 2012, uh, just a trickle of new folks. Before y'all showed up, we hadn't seen any new faces for about a year or so. You'd be surprised how quick-like people start settling in, feeling like they own the place, some more than others. The last part of the old man's words seemed to suggest his invitation might have been less for tea and conversation and more about warnings. Keith nodded, swirling his cup of tea. We passengers... A quaint little nickname our benefactors bestowed upon us. Haven't been home all that often, so we've had little chance to settle in as much as we'd like. Besides yourself, I've only met a few persons upon the road. About this time, I suspect we've all a bit of the night owl in us around here. Heath wanted to focus the conversation upon the city and its inhabitants, 
to root out any potential issues with the locals. Well, folks around here tend to be a tight-lipped bunch, for reasons I'm sure y'all can relate to. Less that damn machine is taken to making folks less miserable for their troubles. But I'd be careful about roaming around at night, leastways around Devon Street. Like I said before, people that take issue with folks that wander their way, and even those that don't. Those fellas got it in their heads, they run things around here. I'd be especially careful around the one thinks he uh, runs Devon Street, William Church. He's a controlling sort of fella. Frankly, I'm surprised he ain't paid you folks a visit yet. The old man did indeed have a warning to pass on, and Keith was glad for the gossip. He was especially thrilled by the city's emerging personality, a complexity not limited to its dead witches and the timidity of forlorn Malsapiens. I see. Well, we passengers are a welcoming lot, by and large. I'm sure if Mr. Church stops by, we can accommodate him. Keith's sly grin signaled his host that he had absorbed the warning and that he was likely prepared to move on to other topics. Keith deliberately allowed his eyes to linger over the man's gloves, hoping his host would notice and possibly explore the new topic, which he did. Yes, about these. We are all children of the machine, are we not, Keith? The passenger nodded, eager for the rest of the reveal. Well, these are what I got for my time spent in the belly of the beast, so to speak. So, uh, come on, I'll show you. The conductor, already intrigued, smiled his assent as he sipped the last of his tea. In short order, the men had replaced to a back room sealed by thick mahogany sliding doors, a ghastly green light pouring from between the slats. The old man's face had all but disappeared for the sick emerald glow, and a thick air of anticipation filled Keith as the doors slid apart. The passenger gasped. The machine took up nearly the entire spacious room, which might have once been a study. The base of the thing was a contrivance of smaller devices, all of them bleeding light and connected via twisting tubers of wire and arcing green energies. Set atop the strange base was a translucent dome, which itself was mundane enough, but what it enclosed was certainly not. Inside were hundreds of shapes, greenish, vague, even mist-like, all of them glowering at the Malsapiens. Their bodies flowed like smoke, and their eyes blazed from behind the dome. Keith's smile faded, his curiosity mixing with an incipient sadness at the sight. That there's what left of the Kettleston Coven, or the Yellow Ladies, whichever you like. Took me some time to track them down. The company gave me the machine for storing whatever I caught, you see. Can't say I know how it works, but it does the trick. I was one of the first in the city for a reason. See, I was one of those who saw to the scrubbing I mentioned earlier. Like I said, we all got the machine to us now. Theodore took off his gloves. And as far as quaint nicknames go, folks around here call me the Spirit Handler. The man lifted his hands, showing the bony digits of a skeleton 
wreathed in spectral green flame. Keith's smile returned as he shook his head. By Jove, that damned machine indeed. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 